Hey guys, good morning. I want to welcome everyone and first and foremost, welcome everyone who is watching at a house church this morning with City Church. Um, I'm so proud of what God is doing despite the challenges that we are facing as a community. And I genuinely believe that we're going to come out of this stronger and better than before. Also, want to welcome everyone at Rest Church as well, and uh, just excited for what God is doing, and everyone who's watching online, whether it's through Facebook or whether it's through YouTube, uh, we are so genuinely excited that you guys would join us for church online today. Uh, we have been in a collection of talks titled Seven, talking about the seven I am statements of Jesus Christ leading up to Easter Sunday, where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And today we're going to be um, diving back into the book of John and looking at our fourth statement, where Jesus says, and one of my favorite ones, to be honest with you, I am the light of the world. And so I'm going to open up in a time of prayer, but if you got your scripture, I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 8. And as you're doing that, let me just open us up in a word of prayer. Father, I just thank you for everyone uh, who is watching this morning or gathered at their home or uh, in groups, Lord. And I just ask that as we dive into today's word, Father, that you would just speak to us, that your, your, your words, your message would just speak to our hearts, God, that we would be able to walk out of uh, whatever gathering we may be in today, God, uh, being better and stronger and closer to you, Jesus. Uh, we just surrender this time, Father. Let it be your words that are said, not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to start in John chapter 8. Uh, and Jesus says this, and starting in verse 12. He says, again, Jesus spoke to them, and we'll get to the them in a minute, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees, that's the them, so the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going, but you do not know where I came from or where I am going. And so Jesus is having this conversation with the Pharisees, and his disciples are gathered by, and they're all listening, really, after a very serious moment that just took place uh, in the temple courts. And, and as they're having this dialogue, Jesus pipes up, and he makes a very bold and audacious statement that if you were Jewish, meant something very serious. And he said, I am the light of the world, and anyone who is with me or follows me will not walk in darkness. And so really what Jesus is starting to speak to is one of the biggest questions of all time. What is our purpose? What is the meaning of life? What is it that God or whoever you may believe in has in store for me? What is it that the universe um, thinks about my purpose and my meaning of life? I love what the Westminster's Confession talks about, because the Westminster's Confession asks this question and says, what is the chief end of man? Or essentially, what is the purpose of mankind? What's the purpose of my existence and your existence, of the person who might be next to you? What is their purpose in life? And then it says this, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. John Piper even takes it a little step further, and he changes one of those words, and he says, 
What is the chief end of all things or, or, or of mankind? To glorify God by enjoying him forever. And, and so Jesus, he's talking about how he is the light of the world right here. He's talking about how he wants to invade your life and my life. Essentially, Jesus wants to bring illumination to every area of your life and every area of my life so that we could enjoy God by enjoying Jesus. So that we can bring glory to God by enjoying Jesus. And, and to understand this a little bit better, we have to kind of set the context up. Because if you're just reading, I am the light of the world, anyone who follows me doesn't walk in darkness, it doesn't have the context. Um, and so really the context of this starts in John chapter 7. And in John chapter 7, you see that it was a Jewish holiday called the Feast of Tabernacles. And, and the way that was, that was celebrated was on the eight-month of the year, for eight days, the Jewish people would pause and they would celebrate um, how they were once in Egypt and they were brought out of Egypt into the wilderness and then eventually into the promised land. And so Jesus, being a Jewish rabbi, he would have celebrated this all 33 years of his life. He would have known all about the Feast of Tabernacle. He would have celebrated and done all of the traditional things that he was supposed to do. One of the things that they would do during the Feast of Tabernacles is that they would go and they would take from one of the large water basins outside of the temple where the water flowed, and they would take these buckets and they would go up to the blazing altar, and on the west side of the altar, they would actually take the buckets and they would throw it upon this stone altar. Well, what Jesus does is while they're doing this, while they're practicing their tradition, Jesus shows up and says, if anyone drinks from me, you will never be thirsty again. And the Pharisees, the scribes and the Pharisees, they start looking at Jesus and they're like, who is this man that he would go to the altar of the Lord and while we're doing our religious ceremony, remembering what God has done, would say that he can provide a thirst, that, or he can provide water and make it to where people never thirst again? Who is this guy? And, and so this continues, and, and, and finally, um, one of the other things that they would do is, is during this festival, they would have these four candles on the menorah, four, four candles really in the center square of all of Jerusalem, and you can actually go to where those four candles um, still are today. And these four candles would be lit for all eight days at night during this celebration. And it was to remember people from the water how, G, how Moses struck the rock and water came flowing out while the Israelites were in the wilderness. But then also with the candles, how God lit them up or guided them through the wilderness by fire at night and by a cloud at the day. And so when Jesus shows up and he goes to the altar, he goes to the rock, he's saying, hey, Moses gave you something that will satisfy your thirst. I'm giving you something that will satisfy your eternal thirst. And what's interesting about this is what happens in John chapter 8 is it's no longer the Feast of Tabernacles, but it's the ninth day. It's the ninth day. The candles are out, and that's where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Now look, you and I, we understand the importance of light. 
we understand the importance of electricity, and we understand how easy it is to just flip a switch and turn it off, flip a switch and turn it off, or how um, it, whenever we're driving, we, we need to have headlights in the middle of the night to be able to see where we're going, or if you go camping, uh, how you, you need to, you know, be able to kind of illuminate everything around you if you get there and you're trying to set up your tent. We understand the power and the purpose of light. We understand statements like, darkness cannot push against light, but light pushes out darkness, right? We understand all of this. And so for us in our modern culture, this is something that we just live with every day. It's something that, honestly, we've probably gotten very prone to and used to. And, and, and so whenever he starts talking, Jesus, about being the light of the world, he, he's really saying something that is extremely powerful or giving an extremely um, strong demonstration to all of the Jewish people because light symbolized something that was totally different than just a common day thing that we experience. Really, it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, the writer writes and he says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Some trans, uh, yeah, so face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so he's saying, In the beginning, God created the heavens and he created the earth. And the Spirit of God was there, but it was without form, and it was very, very, very dark. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. I think it's interesting that this happened on day one, and then creation continued to mold into how God desired or wanted it to be after there was light. The earth was void and formless. It was dark, and then light shows up. Light shows up. And here you have in John chapter 8, Jesus saying, I am that light. I am the light of the world. I was there at the beginning. I was there before there was a beginning. I am the light of the world. The, the, the light that happened in Genesis chapter 1 that started bringing what was void and bringing what was formless and started creating it into something powerful or something beautiful in the image of God, I am am that light. And, and, and so this is the condition of the world. But to be honest with you, if you are a Christian, this was also your condition before um, you accepted Christ. You were void. You were formless. You, you were kind of living your life and doing your things until the light of Jesus Christ shined upon you. I, I love how one of the apostles write, it's that marvelous light that gives us hope. It's that marvelous light. It is the light of Jesus Christ that brings things to life, that starts to form things in our heart, that starts to bring us to a place of progressive sanctification where God is constantly starting to work on. I, I, I recently, as many of you guys know, last weekend I had an opportunity to go down to uh, Redemption Church in Beaumont, Texas. And a uh, very good friend of mine, one of my best friends, Pastor Byron Ellis, was celebrating five years as a church. And man, it was fun. They knew how to party. They knew how to have fun. They loved on Jesus. It was, there was food trucks. I felt like I got down there, and in three days, I gained like 10 pounds from everything that I was eating because it was Texas, and the food is just not good for you. We'll just leave it at that. 
But on the, on the way back, I got dropped off at the airport at 4.15 in the morning, on a Monday morning. I was not very happy at that moment. Um, I was having to wrestle out my salvation because I was exhausted. Uh, but I boarded my flight, and it was pitch black outside. And we departed shortly after 5.30 in the morning. We're up in the air. And whenever we get up in the air, I opened up my window, and I was able to just look outside, and it was completely dark. And then on the horizon, a few minutes later, you started to see this light that came. And it was so dark at first that you couldn't see down below you. You could see the the moon up in the sky, but you couldn't see God's creation outside um, that he had created underneath you. You didn't know how high you were. You didn't know how low you were. It was just the middle of the night. But when that light hit the, the horizon at the dawn of the morning, and it started shining across God's creation, you started to see the beauty and the vastness and the glory of God that was being radiated over that beautiful Monday morning. And in just a few moments, the complete darkness that I was in was overtaken by the light. And that is exactly what Jesus Christ wants to do and desires to do with your life and with my life and with everyone's life that is watching this this morning. His life wants to go into those, his light wants to go into those dark places and shine upon those dark places so that you could radiate the glory of God and enjoy him forever. While I was down there, um, I'm I'm on the board of Redemption and uh, just, again, a great church, but there's another pastor who's on the board, uh, Pastor Lance, and um, this dude is like, I don't know how to describe him to you except for a, you know, 50-year-old surfer that just doesn't care. I mean, he's got the long hair, and he got up, and he started preaching, uh, and he was bold in his message, but he just said some things that I was like, man, that is, I I can't believe that you just said that. Like, did he just say that? Like, it, it was a bold message. It was also hysterical. I mean, complete sarcasm, and so if your sense of humor is, is sarcasm, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But one of the things that he talked about is seasons and cycles. Seasons and cycles. And how oftentimes Christians say, I'm just in a season of blank. I'm I'm going through a season of rest right now. Or I'm going through a season of busyness. Or I'm going through a season of, um, I just feel overextended. Or I'm going through this season, this winter season, of, of maybe I'm walking and living in, a, in an aspect of depression in my life, and it just feels like everything is crushing on. And then he also said that there are people who are in a cycle. And, and see, oftentimes, we claim what is a cycle as being a season. And here's the thing. A season can be, and more often than not, is from God, and God is with you in the middle of it. A cycle is usually a sin habit that you've caught yourself caught into that we play off as being a season to make ourselves sound more rich and holy and self-righteous. And so think about it like this. He, he kind of gave these analogies, and I'm completely ripping this off from him, but he said, your marriage is having marriage issues? How long have you been having marriage trouble? Well, pastor, we've been having marriage trouble for 10 years. Well, I don't think that you're in a season of having marriage trouble where God is working. I think that you're in a cycle where there's some sin that you just keep hiding from your wife or hiding from your husband that you're not really dealing with over here. Oh, you're addicted to pornography. How long have you been addicted to pornography? 
Oh, I've been addicted to pornography for 15 years. Okay, that's not a season of battling your flesh. That's a cycle and addiction that you've allowed that you're probably hiding from others. Oh, you're having financial issues. Uh, so you're not going through a season of where you're being tested. You've been having financial issues for the past 20 years. Um, I don't think it's necessarily your spending habits. It's the fact that you haven't learned to trust God with your finances, and therefore you've got bad spending habits, and it's put you in this cycle. See, a season will change, and God allows us to go through seasons, whether it's a spring, a summer, a fall, or a winter season. We go through these seasons. A cycle is something that you think you're about to get out of, and you fall right back into it because you've never dealt with the root of the issue, the root of the sin that might be in there, the root of the unforgiveness or the root of the business. And Jesus shows up on the scene and says, I am the light of the world, and I want to invade the cycle of sin in your life that you have been experiencing so that you can walk in the fullness of God. So I want to ask you a question, church. Are you in a season in your life? Or are you in a cycle? And if you're in a cycle, have you been shutting the door to the light of God and not letting him in that deep, dark closet that you've been hiding yourself from? Because Jesus wants to show up and he wants to expose your sin. He wants to expose my sin and let it be brought to the light so that we can experience repentance and restoration and healing so that we can be restored to all that God has for you and all that God has for me. See, if it's a season, it's one thing because God's working. God works in a, in a winter season. God works whenever you feel like everything is caving in on you. And if your focus is to glorify God and to find complete enjoyment in the process of doing that, then you're probably in a season. If your, your cycle is to keep it hidden and closed off from everyone, you're probably in a cycle. And to be completely transparent with you, I think a lot more people are in cycles than they are in a season. And a season is from God. A cycle is what the enemy is going to use to destroy you. Are you in a season or are you in a cycle? See, in John chapter 8, the ninth day, Jesus gets up early in the morning and he finds someone who their cycle got them caught in the act of adultery. Let me, let me read this to you. John chapter 8. He says, They went to each of his own house starting in verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning, and he came to the temple. All the people came with him, and he sat down, and he started to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law of Moses, it commands us to stone such woman. So what do you say? And so first off, it's the early morning hours. Jesus is going to the temple. He wants to start teaching people. And while he's there, the scribes and the Pharisees, who don't even like Jesus at this point in his ministry, they catch someone in the act of adultery, which raises this question, why is it that you have so much time that you're going to go look for someone who's sinning so that you can expose them? 
So there's that aspect. But they catch this woman who is in the act of adultery. They grab her. They drag her to the temple courts. And they present her in front of Jesus. And they say, you see this woman? She is an adulteress. And according to the law of Moses, she deserves to be stoned. Verse 6. They said this to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. But Jesus bent down and wrote with his fingers on the ground. And they continued to ask him. And he stood up and he said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and he wrote on the ground. Many theologians believe that whenever Jesus bent down on the ground, we don't know exactly what he was writing, but they started writing the sins of all of the scribes and the Pharisees into the ground. And the reason that they believe this is this next part. It says that, um, but when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with this woman standing before him. And so, so think about this. If you're an older person, you've got a lot more sin, a lot more baggage than a younger person because of life and simply just life alone. And so you're an older Pharisee and you come up and you're bringing this woman who has committed adultery. She has sinned and she did sin. She is being exposed to the light. And Jesus bends down and he starts writing your laundry list of sin. And then he turns and he says, hey, anyone without sin? Go ahead, throw the stone. And one by one, starting with the older men, they started to leave. They started to leave until Jesus was left alone with this one woman. And Jesus stood up and he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, None, my Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. It's right after that that Jesus turns to his disciples. He turns to the crowd who's watching and he says, hey, I am the light of the world and anyone who follows me, my light will be with them. And so I want you to kind of wrap this imagery around right here because here's a woman who by the Mosaic law should have been stoned to death and humiliated in, complete, uh, in the completeness of the public and the light of the world steps in and says, hey, where are your accusers? Who here is to condemn you? I don't condemn you either. Now go and sin no more. We talked about it a few weeks, but John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to bring us life and life more abundant. When we allow the light of God to shine in on our cycles, to shine in in the dark areas of our life, to shine in in the sin that we are wanting to keep from everyone else, it is not to condemn us, it is to heal us. Maybe this morning, wherever you're watching, whether you're in a group or whether at your home or whether you're watching online by yourself, you're at a moment right now where you've been hiding some sin. You've been hiding some bitterness. You've been hiding some anger from towards other people and, and, and not talking about it with people. And maybe, just maybe, 
the light of God is shining on your heart, wanting to expose everything so you could walk in complete healing and forgiveness. Will you let that light in? Will you let the light in and let him expose you so that you can walk in a life and a life more abundantly? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for everyone who is watching this morning, God. Father, I want to lift up every person who finds themselves stuck in a cycle, that you would break that cycle, that you would let your light come in, God, and bring healing and restoration. Father, every person who is afraid to deal with the matters of their heart, God, that you being the light of the world would shine your light on us, God, so that we can ultimately glorify you, Father, so that we can bring glory in every aspect and that we could enjoy you. So Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your light. We thank you for your mercy. And we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.